Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. Since the very first bedtime, all around the world, children have known that once their mothers and fathers tucked them in and shut off the light, that there are monsters hiding in their closets, waiting to emerge. Last week, I began talking about the topic of fear. And I spoke about the protective nature of fear. You know, a good, healthy fear that warns us of danger and keeps us alive, keeps us safe. The fear of the Lord is a good and appropriate fear. And we talked about that last week, how that is a fear that we are meant to have. It's a good and appropriate fear. It keeps us humble. It keeps us grateful. It protects us. It's a refuge of safety. It gives us peace. It gives us assurance. It's a wellspring of life. But there is another type of fear. There is another type of fear, a fear that isn't healthy or good, or appropriate. As children, we might have been afraid of the monsters in the closet. But as adults, the monsters that we fear are even more real. A debilitating fear that steals our joy and takes our confidence away. A fear that creates doubt and intimidates us and holds us back. A fear that whispers accusations of failure inadequacy, unworthiness, a fear of making the wrong choice and putting us in a position that we can't handle, a fear of the unknown, of what cannot be controlled. That type of fear is not from God. That's not a healthy fear. That's not a fear that's good for us. That's a fear that's not from God. But here's the thing. We don't have to be afraid. The Word of God reminds us that we can have confidence to overcome that healthy and that un, or that unhealthy and that unnecessary fear. The Word of God gives us confidence that we can overcome that. Second Timothy chapter one verse seven in the New King James Version says, "For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love." And of a sound mind. Those words come from a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. It was a letter that was written to a young man named Timothy. A man who had been entrusted by Paul to lead the church. But the church that he was leading was being influenced by heresy, by false teachings. And it's very, very possible that that made Timothy very nervous. Nervous, unsure, afraid anxious. How could he handle this? How could he step up for this? How could he confront these false teachers? How could he protect the church? There was probably a lot of feelings of inadequacy and uncertainty and fears. So Paul writes to him and Paul encourages him. 
In verse 6, he tells them, Timothy, fan into flame the gifts of God. And then in verse 7, he tells them, because God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. In other words, Timothy... You can overcome your fear because you've got the power of God behind you. Do not fear. Because in Christ, we have the power of God with us. You know, courage has always been considered a noble and a desired quality. We admire those who show themselves to be brave. Firemen who battle burning flames to save people and property. Policemen who risk their lives to maintain law and order to protect us. Soldiers who engage in violent battles for the cause of our country. That courage behind that comes from a dedicated heart that is devoted to the mission. When I think of courage, there is one man that I often think of. One man, he was young, not even old enough to serve in the military, but one day he saw something that he could not ignore. His name was David. The nation was at war, but he was too young to fight, so he was at home helping take care of the the things at home to the sheep, tending the sheep that his family owned. But his father sent him to the battle line to take supplies to his older brothers. When David got there, he saw a giant of a man on the enemy's side. And when he heard that man make threats and shout out defiance against God's people, what did he do? He stepped up and he said, I will fight that man. In 1 Samuel 17, 40, it says this. He says, it says, he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Verse 45 says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defiled. And then verse 48 through 50 says, As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine. Any fear, any fear that David may have had, and he had to have some fears. He's just a young shepherd boy at a battle line that he's not even used to, and he sees this army and this giant of a man. He had to have these fears, but any fear that he had was overcome by the confidence that he had in his Lord. He knew that the power of God was with him. God has promised us the same thing. God has promised us that he is with us. He has promised us his presence, and he has promised us his strength. So whatever fear you might be facing, you're not facing it alone. Do you have trouble remembering that? Do you sometimes feel like you're trying to fight these fears 
all alone, maybe you should pick up a small stone, hold it in your hand, and remember the power of God. Isaiah chapter 41.10 says, so, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is with us. And he is strong. He is capable. He is powerful. So do not fear. We have the power of God with us. Do not fear, because in Christ, we have the love of God with us. Paul told Timothy that God gave him a spirit of power and of love. And just like the power of God overcomes fear, love overcomes fear. Love is stronger than fear. 1 John 4.18 says it like this. 1 John 4.18 says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Now, I like this. This is really cool because that word that gets translated to drives out, where it says there's no fear in love, but the perfect love drives out fear, that perfect love drives out, that's a very interesting and very descriptive word. Because it doesn't just mean to kind of push aside. It means to throw out of the way. It means to cast it without care or without concern. Perfect love throws fear right out of the way. Far, far away. That word sometimes gets used in a context of a violent displacement. It's like when the bouncer throws the drunk out of the bar. He doesn't just escort him to the door. He shoves him out the door, throws him out the door. Perfect love grabs fear and shoves it right out of there. So how do we overcome those fears that haunt us? How do we overcome those fears that are constantly seeming to be there? Perfect love drives out fear. But what is perfect love? What is perfect love? Well, the Bible tells us that God is love. And the Bible tells us that God showed his love through Jesus. Verse 18 tells us that perfect love drives out fear. Look at what's written just a few verses before that. In 1 John 4, verse 9 and 10, it says this. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son, his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Here's what it is. Perfect love is love from God. Perfect love is Jesus. Perfect love is Jesus. That's who came from God. That's how God showed his love to us. Perfect love is Jesus. I, I heard a story. A mom had just met with her, uh, with her child's teacher. Her son was autistic, and he'd been having some struggles at school. And the conference, the parent-teacher conference, was very, very overwhelming, very, very frustrating. The teacher was overwhelmed. Mom 
was overwhelmed. No one knew exactly what could be done or should be done to help this situation. So she left the conference and she got into her car and she just started crying. Just overwhelmed with all of the fears, all of the concerns. They just flooded over her. She didn't know what to do. All of those scary questions started happening. What if this? What if that? What if, you know, all of those thoughts just kept coming through. And then softly from the back seat, she heard a little boy singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And she knew. She knew that everything was going to be okay. It wasn't necessarily going to be easy, but she knew that everything would be okay because of Jesus. Perfect love drives out fear. You know, the greatest fear for all of us, the greatest fear for everyone, is what happens after death. That is a fear that is there for all of us. It's, there's a lot of people in this world who are living in fear about what happens when we die. Even Christians, even Christians are often haunted by that fear. If you take a survey and you ask, you ask people if they will go to heaven when they die, you're probably going to get a bunch of different answers. You're going to get a bunch of different answers with a bunch of different reasons. But you know, really when it comes down to it, really when it comes down to it, there's only three answers to that question. Are you going to go to heaven when you die? There's only three, question, three answers to that question. The answer is either yes, no, or I don't know. This morning, I want to remind you, if you're a Christian, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, if you've surrendered and submitted to him as Lord and Savior, then the answer to that question is yes. If you're in Christ, you are saved by his sacrifice. So the answer to that question is not no. The answer isn't, I'm not sure. The answer isn't, I hope so. The answer is yes. If you've surrendered and submitted to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can say, yes, I will be in heaven when this life is over. Not by our own effort but by the grace of God. Yes, I will be in heaven when this life is over. Don't we struggle with that, though? I mean, don't we struggle to embrace that and feel that way? There are so many Christians, so many Christians that are plagued with feelings of unworthiness, doubts, failures, inadequacy, we don't, we don't feel good enough, and we can't shake the feeling that there has to be more that needs to be done to be approved by God. We don't need to fear. We don't need to fear. Jesus defeated death for us. Our victory is in Christ. We don't need to fear. So how do you overcome that? How can you have confidence in your salvation? How can you have that? Well, the perfect love of God destroys that fear. It takes it away. It just throws it away from us. 
the love of God assures us that we are set free from judgment. We are no longer condemned because of our sin. Because God loves us and he gave us Jesus who gave his life to pay the punishment and the guilt for our sin. If we are right with God, if our guilt has been taken away, then what do we have to fear? What do we have to fear? When we have Jesus, we have no reason to fear anything. Romans 8, verse 31 through 39 says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you catch that? I mean, that is confidence. That is assurance right there. There is nothing that separates us. We are more than conquerors. There is nothing that separates us from the love of God. Nothing that can disrupt that. Paul told Timothy that God has given a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and of a sound mind. Now that's the way the New King James Version puts it, a sound mind. But a more fitting and more accurate word is actually the word self-control. The NIV says self-discipline. The English Standard Version and the New Century Version both say self-control. Do not fear because in Christ we have self-control. Fear has no authority over us. Fear has no control over us. We have control. And that means since we have control, we can choose fear or we can choose faith. Fear or faith. Matthew 8, verse 23 through 27, Jesus got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came upon the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, and he rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed, and they asked, What kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Imagine this moment. I mean, imagine this. It's a big storm. Waves are crashing over the sides of the boat. Jesus is sleeping, but the disciples are scared. They wake him up, and they ask for a miracle. They ask for his help. Save us. We're going to drown. And Jesus rebukes the wind and the waves. And I always wonder, what did he say? 
I mean, did Jesus just stand up and say, stop? And it stopped. Maybe. But the word rebuke, the way it says it rebuked the storm, it sounds like it was more than that. A rebuke is defined as a sharp criticism or disapproval. What did Jesus say? Did he say, hey, wind, hey, waves, what do you think you're doing? Now's not the time for that. Settle down. Be quiet. Stop it right now. I don't know. I don't know how he spoke it, what he said, but no matter what, he stopped the storm because of his own strength and capability and power. He stopped the storm. And what does Jesus say? He looks to the disciples and he says, You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? I mean, can you hear the question? He's saying, Don't you remember? Don't you know who I am? Ha- haven't you seen the miracles? Have, have you forgotten that? You know, right after this moment, Jesus lands upon shore and he's confronted by a demon-possessed man, a man that's so violent from the possession that the the town has kicked him out. He has to live among the tombs. And this man confronts Jesus and the demons within him beg for mercy. And Jesus casts those demons from him into a herd of pigs. It's so ironic, it's so unique that these stories happen right right next to each other. Because it shows that Jesus has power over the physical, the wind and the waves, and Jesus has power over the spiritual, the things that we can't even see. That's who's with us. That's the power that's with us. That's the love that is with us. So, fear or faith? Fear or faith? I I guess they forgot who was in the boat with them. And I wonder if we forget who is in the boat with us. I wonder if Jesus sometimes silently asks us that same question. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? I'm with you. I'm here. We can choose to be afraid and doubt his care over us. Or we can choose to keep the faith and trust him in all circumstances. Romans 8.28 says that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. It's not a promise that everything is going to be good. It's not a promise that you can live reckless and rebellious lives and that God will take the consequences away from those choices. It's, It's not a promise that God works out all things for what we would call good. But it is a promise that God is at work in our lives and we can trust him even when things are scary. And if we continue to love and trust him and keep faith in him, he will see us through even the greatest fear. That young shepherd boy who fought the giant actually became king of Israel. And quite often through his life, he was threatened and he faced very terrifying circumstances. But David continued to keep the faith and continued to trust in God. He wrote Psalm 27. Psalm 27 verse 1 through 5 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. You see, David was able to overcome fear in his life because he continued to seek the Lord. He continued to seek the Lord. He kept looking for the Lord. Many years ago, there was a tribe of people in the jungles of Central Africa who had heard the gospel. They had surrendered to Christ and they had become Christians. Since they had no church building where they could gather together for worship and for prayer, they cleared a spot in the jungle where they could do that. It was their worship space where they can come together to worship together. Soon there were individual trails through the grass that led to this central meeting place for worship. And whenever there was a Christian among them who seemed to be losing faith and becoming fearful and just losing the first love that they had for the Lord, the others in the tribe would admonish them by saying this. They would say, brother, the grass is growing on your path. In other words, you're not seeking anymore. You're not coming anymore. You're not looking to the Lord anymore. So the question I ask is, what about your path? Are you seeking the Lord and his face each day? Seek the Lord, trust the Lord, and have no fear. Please stand with me as I pray. God, what a promise. What a promise over us. Your presence, your strength, your power, your love, all behind us and with us when we've embraced your Son as our Lord and Savior. I pray that we remember that. Maybe we need to pick up a small stone now and then and remember just what you've done. God, I pray that we remember that and it gives us courage and confidence even when life throws things at us that are so fearful. May we trust in you. May we keep seeking you. And may we have that confidence assurance. Thank you for Jesus who died for our sins so we can know that the greatest thing to fear has already been defeated. God, we love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.